My name's Tommy. I'm the pastor at this particular establishment. I'm glad you were all here to join us. We're, we're going through this series, uh, Multiply. And if you haven't gotten the book yet, I would encourage you to do that. Uh, you can get it from Amazon or Katie might be able to hook you up or whatever. But, uh, and I've been talking to some friends of mine, and I have felt this several times while reading this book. There are parts of this book that are a little offensive. All right, so when you're reading Multiply, there are some things that are going to jump out, and you're going to be like, uh, like, and there's some of it, I mean, you know what I'm talking about, there's some, there's some of it that just gets you a little bit, right? And as I was thinking about that, I was thinking, there's another book that's also sometimes offensive. It's called the Bible. Uh, there's oftentimes when I'm reading this book where I don't like parts of it, right? And so I think we have to learn uh, to, to kind of deal with the good and, and take it and to deal with the correction when it comes and, and to read it all as love from God. And so even when it sounds a little offensive, this is still God's way of loving his people and preparing them for something better. So today, if you're offended by anything I say, you can either blame Francis Chan or God because they're the authors of the Bible and the book of reading. Not me, though. And if you do have a complaint, email katieneal at thegracechurch.net. <laughs> I always blame Katie. Um, so I, I've talked to, you know how when people say a lot of people have asked me this, it typically means no one has asked them that or one person. But in this case, like people have asked me this. People want to join the church. And I've told a lot of people, don't join the church yet. Um, wait until the end of this. In this series, what I'm going to talk about this week and next week is a lot of the reason I've said that. Because I want people to hear this stuff first. Matter of fact, I would prefer for you to wait to the end of this whole series. And then if you want to join the church, I encourage you to do that. But I want you to listen to what I'm going to say this week and next week. And I want you to count the cost. Because I think there may be more to it than we thought. As a matter of fact, if you're already a member here, uh, at some point you came up and, and you said some things in front of the church, and, and you may want to reaffirm your membership here in some way. Because maybe you joined and you, know, you just kind of got moved by a moment or something and you really didn't count the cost. We're going to rewrite the membership vows for this church. And it's going to be um, a higher level of accountability and a little deeper understanding of some things. And so for those of you who already are members here, you may want to rejoin somehow. I don't know how we'll do that, but we'll figure it out. Um, but I want you to hear this week and next week. And I want you to pray about it. I'm doing the same thing. Count the cost. And ask yourself, is, is membership, is, is being part of the body of Christ really what I want? Uh, and when I talk about the church today, I'm talking about the church. I'm not talking about Grace Church. Next week, I'll talk about Grace Church. This week, I'm talking about the church. And we talk about the church. We're talking about this global body of, of people from different races and different kinds and all these people coming together uh, for the purpose of bowing their knee to Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, there's a creed. And throw that creed up there for me if you don't mind, Eric. I've done a series on this before, and I should do it again. Does anyone know offhand what this creed is called? The Apostles' Creed. All right, and so I would love to preach through this whole thing again together, but let's just read this. It says, and this, this is the collective belief statement of all sorts of different kinds of Christians. So whether you're raised Baptist or Nazarene or Lutheran or Methodist or non-denominational or something else, odds are we agree on the statements in this Creed. It's called the Apostles' Creed, not because the apostles wrote it, but because it encapsulates the teachings of the apostles. So it says, I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. We all agree on that one? Yeah, okay, cool. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. We all, we all good? Everyone? Yeah, how about this? Y'all just say yes. Everyone? Oh, yeah, that's, that's fun. Okay. 
Um, that way I don't feel lonely. Um, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. Okay, we're all, this is great. This is going really well. Next page. On the third day, he arose again and ascended into heaven. Yeah, oh, that's a good part. We like that one. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Okay, hold on. It's going to get a little dicey here. We're going to hit a little turbulence before we land the plane. That's okay. It says, I believe in the Holy Spirit. We're all like, yeah. Now, if you were raised, you know, Church of Christ or Baptist, you probably have some maybe conflicting beliefs on that particular topic. You might not agree on everything, but you believe in the Holy Spirit, right? And then it says, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. This, this, is, this is where we lose it. If you're, if you're from one denomination right now or another, you're like, oh, no, I'm out, Catholic. Ah. And if you're Catholic, you're like, finally, you know, get a little love in this place. Holy, we know. Holy, we, we talked about what holy means. Holy means set apart. It means divine. It means sacred. It means unique. God is holy, right? We talked about this. His church is holy. This big body of people coming together. We are part of the holy church. We are sacred, set apart, unique, designed for a specific purpose. The next word is Catholic. And this is where we get a lot of division on this. Y'all need to understand this though. Big C, capital C, means Pope, means um, Mass. So if someone says, I belong to the Catholic Church with a capital C, that's a Catholic Church with the Pope and all those things. Little C Catholic is a Greek word that means universally connected. Like all Christians everywhere who love Jesus and who have given their lives to Christ are connected as one church. Catholic Church. We are connected as one body. Little c Catholic does not mean Pope. It means that whether you're Nigerian or Afghanistan or Iraq or American, as long as you profess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are part of the same connected body. Does that make sense? So when we say the Holy Catholic Church, we're not talking about the Holy Roman Catholic Church. We're talking about believers everywhere. And the truth is, you have more in common with a believer in Syria than you may have with your neighbor because that believer in Syria is part of your body. We are connected together as the church, okay? And this is our creed, and we believe this. And we believe the church is sacred and set apart, and we believe that we are connected with all Christians everywhere. Okay, and th this is where it gets kind of tricky, though. When we begin to talk about the church in America, and let me say this before I'm, I'm about to say some things, and before, you, before we get all, you know, I love America, okay? I, I own guns. I like firecrackers. Like, I love America. Let's, let's all get on the same page on that. Love it, love it, love it, okay? I'm not talking bad about America at any point in this, but what we're going to do is, is sort of contrast some things. And the Bible was written to what's known as a collectivist society. And in a collectivist society, everyone values group more than individual. So for instance, if you're from Asia or the Middle East or from Africa, you come from a society that actually values the whole more than the part. So if you meet someone from, let's say, Vietnam, that person is going to identify more with their family as their primary identity than they will identify as an individual. 
So their primary identity is part of a group. And that's what a collective society does. The Bible was written in a society that was incredibly collective. You valued the group first, then the individual second. Now that's the Middle East, and that's Africa, and that's... In America, it's the opposite. We are an incredibly individualistic society. We value personal freedom, right? We value self above as an American. This is an American value. This is the reason I have seen people, both Republicans and Democrats, say, my body, my choice. Because, and they've said it for different reasons, but we value personal freedom almost above all other things as an American. As a matter of fact, put that up for me, Eric, if you don't mind. These are some American values. In America, we value the individual. In America, we value personal freedom, right? In America, we value independence. As a matter of fact, we have a declaration of that very thing. That's how much we value it. Autonomy. Self-sufficiency. Choice. I love these things. So do you, on some level. Because these things are distinctly American. And it's okay that we love these things. It's okay that we value most movies where there's a hero. The hero encapsulates these things, right? I mean, John Wayne encapsulated those things. I watched Rambo the other night accidentally. (laughs) Like I was just bored and it was on TV. Do y'all know how many people died in Rambo Part 2? I think like 87,000. I was like, wow, this is super violent. So I told Kenley to turn it off. But (laughs) kidding, joke. These are American values. We all get that. And so understand, I'm not saying any of these things are bad. But I am going to say this today. That what we value as an American and what makes you great as an American doesn't always make you great as a member of a church. Because what we tend to do is take our American values into the church and try to live out these same values as a member of the church. And that's just not the way it was meant to be. Some of our highest values as Americans are going to clash with some of our highest values as members of the kingdom of God. And it doesn't make the American values bad. It just means there may be a day when you have to decide what your primary identity is. And it's difficult. It's hard. Matthew 28, 20. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, And surely I am with you always, even until the end of the age. Okay, that verse number 20, teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. We talked about this a couple weeks ago, or maybe it was last week. What If you could boil down all Jesus' commands to a couple things, what would they be? Just Everyone can just shout it out. Love God and love others. The Bible uses a term a lot, and I found out in the first service this is not a conjunction or like a connected term. They were kind of snippy. One another. One another. The Bible talks a lot about one another, right? It is, if, if my highest value is personal freedom, if my highest value is individuality, then living out an ethic of one another becomes very difficult. Because to one another, I must be in relationships with others. It is impossible to one another each other without another to one another, right? <laughs> I'm like 90% sure I said that right. <laughs> you can't one another each other, if you are the highest value in your life, 
It becomes very, very difficult. And the Bible, the biblical ethic, is about one another. I will one another you, and I will one And it is impossible to do that. You have to have another if you are to one another. We should write a song about this. This is really good. We have to have another if you are to one another. I'll, later, I'll probably do that later. But like, Galatians 5.13. It says, you. This is Paul. He says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. And they all went, Yes! They started shooting Roman candles. Yes! And Paul went, but. And they were like, every time you do this, it's so annoying. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather serve one another humbly in love. So this ethic inside the kingdom is a little different than some of the values we've been taught. And there is a tension in this. And there should be a tension in this. And this is why uh, America is great at growing big churches. Because big churches cater to individuals. Big churches try to make sure that you're, cra- you're super comfortable and, and your family has every program you want and you like every song and the pastor makes you smile. That's all about catering to individuals. So in America, we can grow big churches because we have talented people catering to individuals. But to grow deep churches, that's tricky. Especially when there's this tension, throw that up for me, Eric. Especially when there's this tension, next one, the two sets of values. These are our American values. Not knocking them. Love it. These are our kingdom values. Tell me if you see any tension. In America, we value the individual. In the kingdom, we value the group. In America, it's personal freedom. In the kingdom, it's personal sacrifice. Independence, equality, autonomy, unity, self-sufficiency, submission, Choice, accountability. Do y'all see the tension this creates? For those of us who are raised as Americans, I mean, this creates a tension when we come into the church and all my life I've been told, get up, man, you've got this, you can do this, you, you. And then you get in the church and someone says, it's not about you. And you're like, what? It is about me. Of course it's about me. It's a tension. And it's a tension we must be honest about if we are to fully devote ourselves to being a member of the body of Christ. Church is a group of redeemed people laying down their own priorities for the purpose of serving God together in a way that transforms the world. And in the church, the highest ethic is not personal freedom, it's communal sacrifice. And that is hard for us. And if, if you read the Bible, and guys, I, I'm just telling you my own personal struggle. Maybe no one else in the room struggles with this. But when I read the Bible and I see the, the levels of submission, the levels of accountability, the level of like sharing that Jesus is calling me to, it sometimes offends me as an American. But it can't offend me as a member of the kingdom of God. And in those moments, when my values as an American clash, my values as a Christian, I have to decide which one I will value more. And I promise you this, for the disciples that Jesus was talking to, for him to, these were good Jewish boys, right? They'd grown up in a world that basically said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy, because they were oppressed on all sides. And so that's the ethic they grew up with. And then Jesus walks in and says, no, love your enemy. Pray for those who persecute you. If they take your coat, give them your tunic. And they were all like, what's a tunic? And then once they figured that out, it was hard. But they had to decide which identity will be my primary, my national identity or my identity in the kingdom of God. And so there's a tension. I'm going to read Acts 2.42 to you guys. I've read this. I think I read it every week to y'all. And while I'm reading it, I, I want you to do this. This is kind of like a little civics 
lesson, which is fun for those of us who are geeks in this. But while I'm reading this, I, I, want, I think I've figured out why this is so hard to live out. As I'm reading this, I want you in your mind to think of what form of government does it sound like is being described. Okay? You with me? You with me? While I'm reading this, think what form of government does this sound like? Acts 2.42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. L listen to this one. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had a need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added daily to the number of those who were being saved. Okay, there's a bunch of people sharing everything they have and everyone has everything in common. What form of government does that sound like? Socialism. We don't like that. They're coming for me. I've upset the matrix again. We've got him. He's isolated. I'd have some suspects. Sounds like socialism, doesn't it? We don't like that. And we shouldn't like it. We're capitalists, right? And let me tell you, I love capitalism. I hope some of you are very, very successful at capitalism because this building costs money. I got no beef with capitalism whatsoever. But this sounds like socialism. And it is if the government forces it. But the government didn't impose this on the early church. The government opposed it. The government was trying to kill these people. The Roman government was trying to eradicate them, was trying to get rid of them because they were living out this ethic where they were sharing everything they had and nobody wanted and it, it wasn't, it wasn't, I'm going to get mine and dog eat dog world. It was, man, you have less, I'm going to give you more. And so there was this sense of these people just laying down their lives in communal sacrifice and the world had never seen anything like it. And that's not socialism, that's Christianity. That's the church. That's what it was supposed to be. But too many of us, myself included, are so scared of anything that doesn't feel like, you know, like an American value that we can't live it out inside this room. It's hard. It's challenging. And there's a tension inside of us. And we must be honest about the tension if we're going to move forward. Ephesians 4.1 the church has changed in 2,000 years. A lot is different between now and, and then, but it's pretty much the same. Ephesians 4.1, So Christ Himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip His people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up until we all reach unity, there it is again, sharing unity in the faith and knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of faithfulness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every aspect, in every respect, the mature body of Him who is the head. That's Christ. From Him the whole body, joined together and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part of the body does its work. Man, I read this this week and... It says, we will no longer be infants tossed around by the waves and every... Man, there are so many people out there teaching cunning schemes. Teaching things designed to tickle your ears. 
teaching things that, that aren't biblical and they're just taking parts of God they like. We talked about this Plato God, right? This stuff is challenging in some ways. And in verse 16, it says, From him the whole body, joined together and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Who all in here has one leg? Okay. Ronnie, you've kind of got two. Uh, Chris is not in here, so I'm feeling really alone again. Uh, so just me. But trust me on this one. If you are missing a part of your body, the other parts of your body must work harder to make up for what you're missing. Does this make sense? I have back pain on a regular basis. Uh, and it's mainly because my right leg is gone, and so the rest of my body has to work harder. So I, it causes pain. And Francis Chan said this, not me. You ready? Francis Chan said what I'm about to say, not me. He said, and I believe me, I'm with you. He said that if you're coming to church and you're not giving and you're not serving and you're not connecting, all you are doing is causing the other parts of the body to work harder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I felt the same way. Out of line. Rude. Francis Chan. And I also think he meant to say that if you're coming to church and all you do is leave every week and complain and you, and you kind of bring this toxic attitude where everything is wrong and it's always about you, that you are standing directly in the way of the body of Christ doing what it is supposed to be doing. And you should repent and stop. And we love you and we want you here. But if every single thing is a complaint, then you are causing all the parts of the body to work harder. It's hard. We were all meant to do things together, to work, not because we're socialists, but because we're Christians. Because we believe in sharing with each other and working together and accomplishing unifying things like bringing the world to Jesus Christ. And it's challenging. I think maybe we should talk more about this next week, but like, we should challenge each other in here. Like, y'all should challenge me if you disagree with something I'm saying or challenge the leadership. If you, No one in here is, is without error. No one in here is perfect. I'm not a sacred man with a sacred book who has some line to God that you don't have. We've all got the same connection to God. And so if, if, you're, if you're with me and you know me and, and I say something, you don't challenge me on it. You have the freedom to be wrong in this country, and that's good. I have friends that challenge me. I was changing a tire with a friend the other day. He's challenged me. I like that. I respect that. One of my best friends here, we challenge each other on theology all the time. That's okay to do inside the body of Christ. But it's the coming to church and never wanting to be challenged. And I don't want anything to, anyone to point out anything that I wouldn't like. And I want no accountability. I want complete autonomy. And I'm going to do whatever I want. That's, that's maybe American. But it's not Christian. That's not what it means to be part of the body. It's like you should have the right to challenge someone in your small group if they never show up. They're like, I'm a member of small group, you know, the orange team. That was my soccer team when I was eight. I'm a member of the orange team. You hadn't been to any of the orange team's meetings. You're not on the orange team. Like we should be able to challenge each other and call each other up to a higher standard of living. Not because we hate each other. Not because we're preachy. But because we love one another and watching out for each other. That's what it looks like when you surrender yourself to other people for the purpose of building the kingdom. It's hard. 
and it scares us. Even like I, I was thinking about this, and no one in this room, this is all other churches that do this, but like some other churches, I'm looking just down at my table right now. I should draw a big smiley face on them that says, they love you, I promise. <laughs> I could just look at it when I needed to. <laughs> like even like registering kids for Sunday. And we ask people, hey, do it, you know, because we're making more space and everyone waits till Saturday night at 1030. Is that when you made the decision to come to church this week? Saturday night at 1030? Why, why aren't we making that decision before then? Why, why is this not the highest priority we have? Why is meeting together and, and, and worshiping together, why is it not our highest priority? What, what's before this? And, and what's before, just be honest. Like, have an honest conversation. God says, I value this, but it's down here. Because if I value this, 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 then this above it. And if that's the case, just be honest and then share it with someone and be in accountability with people so that we live out. The, the reason the world doesn't come to church is because we treat church like it doesn't matter. This is God's instrument for changing the world. We are the hope of the world. Christ has anointed us and set us apart as sacred so that the world might be transformed through us, so that we would love and so we would be so unified. Like even, you know, this side of the room would love that side of the room and left would love right. In this space, there would be this supernatural unity that makes no sense anywhere else in the world. And the world would see that in us. And they would see our commitment to it. And they would go, wow. something different about that but for that to happen here we must elevate our identity as members of the kingdom above all other identities and if that's not hard for you then you're not taking it seriously but there is a church the church that christ built a church where people lay down lay down their will for one another church where people are truly looking after each other, the people where they fight, because that's what humans do, but they fight fair and then they make up. And they share things. And that church, the church where people are willing to sacrifice everything for each other, that's the church that the gates of hell will not stand against. And that's the church Christ calls us to. And that's the church I believe in. And so, count the cost. Because that's what church really is. And guys, listen, you can show up for the rest of your life. But if you desire to call yourself a member of the body, then live like a member of the body lives.